Hi, I'm Blake Gilman, the Vice President, Director of Post-Acute Care Services at LCS. You're listening to the Healthcare Highwire, the LCS Health Services Division premier podcast that inspires to provide meaningful and pertinent content that gives you an edge in balancing business and healthcare. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Gone Learning, Back in 10. Healthcare Highwire's 10-minute study tool. Welcome to Healthcare Highwire. I am Michelle Kramer, Director of Health and Wellness Programming and Post-Acute Specialist. And I am joined today by our LCS Mock Surveyor and MDS Specialist, Natalie Moore. This is the third of four presentations. Today, we will be covering MDS sections I through K. So let's begin. In section I-0020A, we want to make sure that the primary medical diagnosis category best describes the primary reason for the admission. We don't always want to choose medically complex conditions. So if the resident's primary diagnosis is fracture, then number 10 should be the coded for fractures other than multiple trauma in section I-0020A. Unless the resident had a major joint replacement, due to the fracture, then the hip and knee replacement number nine should be coded. But we really need to look at the I-0020B section, which is the primary principal medical diagnosis, and determine which choice most closely matches. Don't you think that's right, Natalie? Yes, absolutely. For the I-0020B, this is the primary principal medical diagnosis that describes why the resident is in this skilled nursing facility. Even if we have two medical diagnoses that are valid, we need to make sure that we complete the MDS and send it through Team TSI and the scrubber to determine which medical diagnosis is going to reimburse better. We want to make sure we code that in the I-0020B so that we can get reimbursed higher. In addition, we have so much problem with active medical diagnosis when we're coding on the MDS. And we always preach that we want all the staff, all the MDS coordinators, nursing and therapy to really cover that hospital documentation, that physician H&P, all the medications, et cetera. We want to make sure we're identifying all the active medical diagnoses that the resident's receiving medication for, treatment for, and care for. A lot of these active medical diagnoses are going to code into the non-therapy ancillary codes like the NTAs, and they also will pertain to the SLP comorbidities as well as impact the nursing category. So again, it's that documentation. And section I, the active diagnosis, the initial section is a checkoff. So if the resident has like anemia or septicemia or pneumonia, they want to make sure that the MDS coordinator is checking all of those areas. And when it ties back to the NTAs, if we code it accurately in the specific section of the MDS, we will get points and those points will add up and increase our reimbursement. So we all know we also have section I-8000, right, Natalie? We want to make sure that we code everything and anything that's not in the checkboxes in I-8000. So important, so important here. I know, I know. So we want to make sure we're not forgetting anything. So again, that documentation review is going to be paramount. We want to make sure that we're identifying all of those active medical diagnoses in I-8000 and the speech-language pathology comorbidities because then we get credit for them. But we want to remember PT and OT treatment diagnoses shouldn't be listed in this section. Is it wrong? Not really, but it's not tied to reimbursement. So you want to keep the PT-OT treatment diagnoses on the UBO4. 
So one of the things that we want to make sure we're remembering is, again, with that NTA and the medical diagnoses, you always want to check and make sure they're coded accurately in the appropriate section on the MDS. So Natalie, I know that section I and J go together when coding some of the principal medical diagnoses to get the resident in the most appropriate category, like if the resident has a fracture, yet the resident ends up in the major joint replacement, which could change their category. And sometimes with COPD with shortness of breath when lying flat, that would actually change their clinical category. So what words of wisdom do you have for section J coding? Well, my words of wisdom have to be, if your resident has COPD, document the shortness of breath while lying flat. <laughs> so there are multiple ways uh, communities can document this. It can be something as simple as an order set that states elevate had a bed to alleviate shortness of breath while lying flat, and the nurses can sign off on that every shift. Or it could be part of the respiratory assessment that the nurse completes in their daily skilled note. Hey, whatever works best for the community, just be sure to document it and then care plan it. So this brings you into the specialty care high nursing category. And then the diagnosis of COPD also adds two additional points to your NTA tally. I know that's something that we always are missing at this point. And so we really need to be on the lookout for anyone with that medical diagnosis. And then we need to assess. So if they're receiving nebulizer treatments or medications or inhalers, or hey, they're complaining about not being able to lie down because they get shortness of breath, that's when that documentation by nursing is really imperative, right? Absolutely. And anybody that has that diagnosis of COPD, you want to get eyes on that resident, see if they're able to lie flat, if they have to have that head of the bed elevated, get that documented somewhere in your seven-day look back. That, again, is going to get into that specialty care high category. So another way to get into that category is to code fever. So just to clarify, the definition of fever is a temperature of 2.4 degrees Fahrenheit or higher than the baseline. Now, if this is a new resident and upon admission, you haven't determined their baseline temperature yet, the RAI defines temperature 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit before your baseline temperature has been established. So now that we know what a fever is, after you code fever, you can get into that specialty care high category if you have fever plus any of the following, vomiting, weight loss, tube feed, or pneumonia. So lastly, section J inquires about recent surgery requiring the active sniff care, which affects your PTOT categories. So let's talk about what's considered a major surgery. Major surgery, for one, it has to be on an inpatient basis, and it has to have occurred within the last 30 days. A major surgery has to have had some degree of risk to the resident. To figure this out, you're going to want to look at the surgical report. So generally, surgeons include a discussion of the resident-specific risk factors on that surgical report. So it's imperative that your nursing liaison or whomever is communicating with that hospital that they get this surgical report. You're going to need that to determine the risk. Your major surgeries are coded in J2300 and J5000, and they also must tie into that principal diagnosis Michelle was just talking about that you put into I. 20B, 
The RAI states that surgeries coded in these items must require an acute care during the SNF stay and defines surgeries that require active care as surgeries that have a direct relationship to the resident's primary SNF diagnosis as coded in I-20B. So again, looking for the risk and then we're looking for that surgery that actually ties into their primary diagnosis. And Natalie, it's all comes down to documentation, 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 right? That's um, right, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We just can't specify that enough. So, exactly. <laughs> with that, let's switch gears a little bit and get into one of your specialties, swallowing disorders. What can you tell us about Section K? Well, that's really interesting. So section K, again, is that swallowing disorders section. We want to make sure that we're coding that accurately in K0100 because that significantly impacts the speech language pathology comorbidity. It's not an interview, it's an assessment. So when we're coding this, you want to make sure that you're evaluating and reviewing the speech language pathologist evaluation prior to coding K0100 to ensure that you're not missing anything. If dietary and the speech therapist and nursing and MDS come together in the PDPM huddle, they need to discuss, does this resident have any signs and symptoms of possible swallow disorder? Because again, that's going to increase the CMI multiplier in the speech language pathology bucket. We want to make sure we get that. In addition, there's a lot of different ways that Section K will be impacting the MDS and our reimbursement. So we want to make sure we're getting an accurate BMI for each patient, as this will assist us in capturing the NTAs like malnutrition or risk of malnutrition and or morbid obesity. Yeah, it is, I, I know because we always miss that, right? Mm-hmm. It's always good practice to review the hospital documentation. There we go with documentation. I know it's going to be our, you know, <laughs> mantra <laughs> to identify if the resident has or had any parental IV feedings or if they had any IV fluids, tube feeds, how much percent calories and nutrition they received via those IV feedings, because mm -hmm. that's going to affect the nursing category. Absolutely. And I think you said it best when you said PDPM huddle. So <laughs> please, please, please have your PDPM huddle and make sure that you have that documentation from the hospital so that you can set the ARD depending on if they had the parenteral IV feeding in the hospital. That's imperative for us to get in that higher nursing category. Absolutely. And we don't always want to code or set the ARD on day seven, right? We want to make sure, hey, if they've got the IV feedings or fluids in the hospital, maybe we should be setting the ARD on day two or day three. Absolutely. So the one other area I wanted to bring to our attention is that K0510. So that's the need if the resident has a mechanically altered diet, right? So that also significantly impacts the speech language pathology component and the CMI multiplier, and that will significantly increase reimbursement as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you for joining us on Healthcare Highwire. Please join us next time as we continue our series on PDPM MDS Quick Tips. Thanks for joining us on Gone Learning. See you next time. Legal Disclaimer. Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast. <laughs>